More like radio, less like crap. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. He only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? Oh, I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid his weird story. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol in my volume. Alcohol in my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin, right? So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! alone on St. Patty's Day, Guinness in the hand, that is basically just how I roll. Welcome to Alcohol by Volume, uh, episode number one, a 102. Uh, it's Tuesday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, 2015. Wow, and I hear screaming in the background, that can't be good. Um, Ah, if you want to Skype in, alcohol by volume, all one word, and the phone number eight six two three four five seven one two five. That's eight six two. Alcohol, easy to remember when you've been drinking quite a bit. Uh, I got to say, if you value not being sick every couple of months with the cold, flu, whatever, don't have fucking kids. Just saying. The most horrendous fucking head cold over the weekend. And the only thing that provided me any relief was a combination of DayQuil, NyQuil, um, some sort of Sudafed thing, and beer. The combination of that basically knocked me out, so I, I didn't really give a shit about it. But Jesus Christ, pain in the fucking ass. Um, that brewery that I contributed to the Kickstarter for last week, if you guys remember Manskirt Brewing, I know you hate the name, I'm not a huge fan of the name, but it's a local brewery, local for me at least, I mean, I can, I can be, I can drive there in like 15 minutes or so. Uh, I actually found out where it's located, uh, I was out with my wife this weekend while I was dying, and, uh, there's this consignment shop that she likes to frequent. And I found out that it's right across the street from it. So that's a benefit for me. She can go in and do whatever the fuck she does in the consignment shop. And I can go across the street and just get hammered. And she can drive me home. Built-in designated driver. And she gets to do whatever she does over there. Buying, selling, baby clothes and baby toys and whatever. Um, I also noticed... Over the past few days, those new Bud Light mixtails, those uh, just another Bud Light property. This time they're going with cocktails instead of regular margaritas. Those are out in my area. While I'm 
tempted to try them for the sake of, you know, just trying them for the show. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I I only saw the eight packs of the 11 and a half, yeah, 11 and a half ounce bottles. And really, I don't want to deal with eight of those things. I mean, I did that with the, the straw burrito. I bought a pack of those, and I think that was like eight or 12 cans of it. And fuck that. It, it, that took me forever to get through, and I didn't want to get through it all. So um, if I see the single-serve pints, I might give the Hurricane a try. Uh, yesterday, I saw the single-serve 25-ounce, and fuck that. I don't want that much of a Hurricane especially a Bud Light mixed tail hurricane. So I'm going to keep an eye out for the the 16 ounces uh, because otherwise ugh, I don't want to have to drink a whole fucking 25 ounces of that thing. I know, I know. Technically I could just, you know, pour 16 ounces of it. I could pour 12 ounces of it and then just dump the rest. But, you know, come on. That's wasting alcohol. I mean, loosely called it, it, it's eight percent abv so it'll get you fucked up at least uh one thing that hasn't hit distribution in my area yet still is rogue sriracha hot stout I, i've been fucking waiting for that i'm probably gonna hate it um then again knowing me i may absolutely love it uh but i had that has not hit my area yet i really really want to try it just because i have, I have very mixed experiences with hot beers like the uh, Sculpin, uh, the Habanero Sculpin, I I liked it, didn't want a lot of it, but I still liked it, so I want to try the Rogue Sriracha. Uh, Rogue actually reached out to me on Twitter, we chatted a little back and forth, and it looks like they're working on getting distribution into my specific area. Um, for all I know, they may have been paying lip service to it, but they were actually asking um, what specific retailers I'd like to see it in. And I told them, you know, there, there are some great bottle shops in my area, and I, I rattled them off to them, and they, they said, you know, we're going to try and you know take care of that and see if we can get those distributed to those stores. And I know that would sell in the locations that I gave them, so, but who knows? Could just could just be really good public relations on their end, which I got no complaints about. I mean, it made me happy. Made made me think that I'm going to see the Sriracha Stout. So the purchases that I made... Over this past week, I got a growler fill, which I haven't done in a while, in fact. Um, not since that carton tap takeover, if I remember correctly. This was one that, when it popped up on my beer menus feed back on last week, Wednesday, I think, I really, really wanted to pick it up um, over the weekend. Now, as I mentioned before, the local place where I get my growler fills, $3 off growlers on Saturdays, so why not? If I can save money, I'm going to save money. Fuck it. But uh, it is Twisted Manzanita Enlightenment. It is a mint chocolate stout, and it's actually one of the better ones I've had. It works in a more subtle way than some of the others. I had um, Shipyard Mint Chocolate Stout. I had... Jesus Christ, what the fuck is going on out there? I don't know if you guys can hear that over the mic at all, but it 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 just it sounds like World War fucking three outside my door here. Jesus Christ! Uh, but I, I I had the shipyard mint chocolate stout. I had the ah uh, fuck it was flying dog mint chocolate stout. The shipyard came across as I don't know just too kind of spearminty. The flying dog 
was okay, but it felt unbalanced for some reason. This one's actually pretty good. Um, the mint, the mint isn't too much. The chocolate isn't overbearing. Uh, so I, I, I can, I can heartily recommend that. Uh, if I, if I have any left in the growler, um, I may end up doing a review on it. I think I got maybe three other glasses on it. Um, no, I was not pre-gaming. Well, no, technically I was kind of pre-gaming, but well, I, I had one beer with dinner. One beer with dinner, which was, which was uh, corned beef and cabbage, and then my wife also made a uh, some sort of like cheesy hash brown bake, which was fucking delicious. Uh, but oh, good old corned beef. I I I can't remember the last time I had corned beef. So worth it. Ah, uh, what other beers did I get? I got more of JP's Casper White Stout because it's fucking delicious. Uh, Newberg Cream Ale. I couldn't believe I had never had it before. When I logged it on Untapped, I was expecting to already have a rating in there, but I apparently never had it before. It's a really solid cream ale. I got Woodchuck's newest Out on a Limb release, their Cheeky Cherry. I don't really like the name, but that's not my decision to like it or not like it. Not my favorite of the cherry ciders. Original Sin still holds that position. But still very tasty. Could have done with a little bit more tartness there. Uh, Dennis posts a picture in the chat of my one beer prior to the show. I don't know. That that kind of looks like a Budweiser, dude. I'm drinking Guinness tonight. Fuck that. And I'm only drinking Guinness tonight. Because fuck you. I, I bought a bunch of cans of Guinness yesterday. Specifically for this show, goddammit. Because I am partly Irish, and I know it's kind of hack to you know do the whole St. Patrick's Day thing, but what the fuck? I'm a hack. Whatever. Six fourteen there for you, Dennis. Um, let's see. I also I also got a uh, got a bottle of wine. I got Coppola uh, Rosso 2012 red wine. Very mild. I like it. I think this was one that Sherry recommended to me. I'm not sure if it's the exact one. Um, if she looks on my Vivino logins, she'll probably be able to tell me yay or nay. Uh, in any case, it was on sale at the register, Impulse Buy. Uh, I was out buying beers and, oh, why? No, I remember this one and pick it up. And so apparently Impulse Buys are not, um, restricted to Butterfinger bars and M&Ms. Um, like I said, specifically for today, I picked up a pack of Guinness. It was on sale too. Not gonna complain about that. Um, I was going to go over a list of best Irish craft beers, but to be honest, most of the beers in the list that I saw, they didn't even see distribution in the U.S. O'Hara's was the only one I recognized, so I scrapped it. And to be honest, I don't drink enough Irish beers to really put together a proper list myself. So I know my limitations there. Um, unlike when I'm at a bowling alley. However, on the Facebook group, you are more than welcome to add some of your own. I started a thread, and it, it picked up a little bit of traction there. And, okay, that's a better picture there, Dennis. Thank you very much. A lovely lady in a bikini top sipping a Guinness. So on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume. Pop into that thread and uh, give, a, give us your opinion on uh, what is your favorite Irish beer. Ah. <coughs> uh. So I will let that lead into uh, something that is still still kind of festive, maybe a little hack, but it is informative. So I will I will I will give you that. 
Um, and actually, I should probably. Here we go. Oh my God! It's a little pig pushing a little shopping cart with Guinness in it. That's adorable, Dennis. Ah, uh, it's a list of five more creative ways to turn your beer green. I've mentioned in um, in years past. On Roy Black on Crack says Murphy's Red Ale. That's all. That's a, that's a fair choice there. Um, I've mentioned in years past that I don't recall ever having green beer. I don't really see much the point of it, uh, especially because typically when you get green beer in a bar, it's going to be just some shit beer dyed green with food coloring. But if you really feel the need to turn your beer green and, you know, it, 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 it it's a historically American born invention for St. Patrick's Day, uh, there's an article from uh, Time Magazine, Five Peculiar Ways to Turn Your Beer Green. And these seem to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, natural and organic. Uh, the article states, Dropping in green food coloring with a dash of propylene glycol and parabens won't do your beer or your health any favors, but if you insist on drinking green beer this St. Patrick's Day, consider these five natural and truly peculiar, well, I don't know, peculiar in the craft beer world? Maybe not. Uh, peculiar ways to enjoy a shamrock-shaded beer. The first one they have is spirulina. Pond Scum Stars and Spirulina Wit, a Belgian-style wheat beer by the Freetail Brewing Company in San Antonio. They dreamt up the drink after a brewer started taking powdered spirulina, blue-green algae known for its high concentration of aquatic protein, as a dietary supplement. So it's definitely not going to be bad for you. Might not do anything for you, but it's not going to be bad for you. Uh, Scott Metzger, founder and CEO of Freetail Brewing Company, said there is an almost radioactive-looking green hue to it. And actually, I think, uh, yeah, I have an image from the article here, which, oh, goddamn. Thank you, Dennis. I don't know who that is, but thank you. Uh, thank you for that, too. Wow. Okay, now, see, this is when you need to get in the chat, more like radio.com slash live, because Dennis is just posting pictures of hot chicks drinking Guinness. And there's nothing fucking wrong with that. Uh, let me interrupt the flow and uh, post this picture of spirulina wit in here so you can kind of see the, the shade of green we're talking about. Okay, and Dennis right back with another hot chip with, ooh, goddamn, nice, nice, nice tits there. Um, customers love spirulina wit for its semi-sweet vegetable-y type fruit flavor. Uh, people say all the time, oh, so this is healthy? We're like, well, it's still beer. It didn't like turn into a protein shake by putting spirulina in it. Uh, on tap of the brewery starting on St. Patrick's Day and through the summer. Apparently, there were other beers that were brewed with spirulina. didn't go over so well. Back in 2005, Dogfish Head had the Verdi Verdi Good, um, and it did not uh, work really well. Uh, but the flavor was described as earthy and tasting like a pond. Ugh, so they obviously didn't do something right there. Um, another one here, we got Squid Ink. Darren Robinson, inventor of beer styles at the Australian beer company Doctor's Orders Brewing, wanted to create a funky colored beer with an even funkier ingredient, squid ink, the green-black, iron-rich stuff, the cephalopods squirt when they're escaping. Cephalopod black Berliner Weiss was born. Squid ink didn't affect the taste, but it did make color uniformity nearly impossible. The batches ranged from radioactive green to dirty paint water gray. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little apprehensive about drinking the paint water gray one but then again if it's a good berliner vice 
I'll fucking drink it. Uh, Apart from alienating a few vegan venues, (laughs) Jesus Christ, it was a huge hit. Um, Then we have matcha green tea, which I want to say I've seen in uh, some stuff. Uh, (laughs) Of course, Roy Black on Crack critiques um, one of the pictures. uh, uh, Let's see. uh, Beer snob mode on. It's clearly the tapped wrong, and she's drinking it the wrong way. Beer snob mode off. Goddamn. Dennis, are you just are you just doing a Google image search for hot women and Guinness? Because if so, well done, sir. Well fucking done. So matcha green tea, clover green matcha, tea leaves finely ground into a powder, then whipped into hot water, has 137 times the famous catechin oxi- antioxidants found in regular green tea. One study shows. Add it to a beer, and you've got a matcha made in heaven. Do I have a boo audio clip here? No, I don't. So boo. Uh, all it takes is about a half teaspoon of matcha powder dissolved in a half glass of warm water. Fill the rest with beer. The matcha even fluffs up the beer foam for a beverage with a rich, velvety head that borders on physically impossible to stop drinking. I'm curious about that. Now, I wish they had mentioned perhaps which style the matcha would go well with. My guess is IPA, straight off. Um, you know, green tea, green tea IPA. Um, shit, I actually want to try that now. Chlorophyll. Of course. Desiree Winans, creator of the natural health blog Modern Hippie, felt out of place in the sea of green beers when in Chicago for St. Patrick's Day a few years ago. I sort of was resentful for not being able to partake in the green beers, but I'm not going to drink it if I don't know what's in it. So she brought along a vial of chlorophyll to organically jerry-rig a green beer. Five to ten drops will do it, and chlorophyll, she swears, doesn't even have a flavor. And the last one in this list... Wheatgrass. Packed with chlorophyll, but will hops make freshly mowed lawn-tasting wheatgrass easier to swallow? Jolly Pumpkin in Ann Arbor, Michigan, they partnered with a local farm to make a wheatgrass IPA. Said it was a very abrasive, bitter finish that lingers, but you get used to it rather quickly. Apparently, you can make your own, according to Organic Authority, by spiking a beer with a tablespoon of wheatgrass juice. So, there are five ways that are probably a lot safer, a lot healthier than trusting your local bar to dip whatever green shit they decided to put into your dirty glass of Bud Light at the bar. Um, uh, Dennis, see, those those ones... Oh, Jesus. Those ones look a little young, Dennis. Particularly the one uh, third from the left. She, 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 uh... Then again, it's always hard to tell with Asians. They could all be in their 30s. Uh... So, you know what? If you prefer something more like, uh, say, Jameson over green beer for St. Patrick's Day, Parliament Bar in Dallas has a interestingly festive cocktail for you. Let me post this image in the chat while Dennis gets more hot women drinking Guinness. This is a cereal milk punch. And I dare any of my listeners to try and make this. If I had Jameson and Lucky Charms marshmallows, I probably would myself. So, uh, Parliament Bar in Dallas. They're pouring something sweet for St. Patrick's Day. The childhood-inspired cocktail is a mix of Jameson Irish whiskey, cereal milk, vanilla, demerara sugar, Freshly grated cinnamon and nutmeg, 
and Lucky Charms Marshmallows. It actually looks quite good, and I'm very curious how it tastes. Ugh. Once I get myself a bottle of Jameson, and I was very tempted to get one over the weekend, uh, hoping that it would, might cure my head cold, and I don't know why I didn't pick one up, um, then I guess I would just have to get the Lucky Charms marshmallows, but I don't really want a whole bag of Lucky Charms marshmallows, so I suppose I could just grab enough to make a few drinks and then give the rest to my kid and just let him run around on a sugar high while I'm off at work. Um, let's see. Okay, this bartender says uh, he actually separates the marshmallows from the cereal by hand, and one box takes about 30 minutes. Um, oh, okay, you know what? I understand here now. It would not behoove me to just buy the marshmallows. There is a, there is a reason here. Um, uh, okay, <laughs> Dennis says Asian girls look like they're 12 into their 30s, and overnight they start looking like they're 60. Yes, yes, very, very true. Um, I, I, I did a fair number of Asian weddings back when I was in Michigan, and you, you definitely see that. Um, I, I saw that I saw that at a lot of uh, Greek weddings too, where there's this certain cutoff, where suddenly Greek women just get old. It's very interesting. But anyway, um, let's see. Stephen Halpin, the bartender from Parliament. He said, to make the milk, Halpin only soaks the cereal. I don't soak the marshmallows with it because I don't want it to get too sweet. So you need the cereal. So you soak the cereal in the milk. So you're making cereal milk. Okay, that makes sense. Now I want to buy a box of Lucky Charms or maybe the uh, Malto Meal knockoff or maybe even maybe great value at Walmart even has a knockoff that I could use. Just, you know, save a little bit of money there. Why not get shitty whiskey then too? <laughs> I should get Lucky Charms. I should get Jameson. What am I saying? Um, then I just have to find out uh, what Demerara sugar is and get that too. Um, the end result is creamy and delicious. It tastes like a whiskey-laced milkshake. Ah, the best kind of milkshake. Uh, cereal milk has been trending for years on the East Coast. Really? See, I obviously don't go out enough because I was completely unfamiliar with this. The most popular spot being Momofuku Milk Bar. But the article writer, Catherine Downs, says, This is the first I've seen a cereal milk cocktail on a menu here in Dallas. As a fan of sugary sweet dairy, I have to say I'm excited to see how the trend will develop. Eddie Campbell and his team will debut their Lucky Charm cereal milk punch. Uh, let's see. They said tonight, which was March 12th. It's part of the bar's new Irish whiskey cocktail menu, which will be available in full in a couple of weeks. So um, if I have any listeners in the Dallas area and you feel like trotting yourself down to Parliament, um, check this out. Post on the Facebook group. Let me know how this is. I would very much like to make this cocktail and uh, make it often. Um, yeah. Which is, and, you know, it's kind of funny too. I'm seeing um, another article here. Uh, I don't understand the hype over cereal milk. See, this is this is the first I've heard of it. If you told me cereal milk before having read that article, I would think, oh, you just mean you know the milk that's left over after you've eaten your cereal, and you know if it's like you know if you've eaten Cocoa Krispies or Cocoa Puffs or something, it's practically chocolate milk at that point. Uh, but I guess this is a genuine thing now. 
And uh, that article doesn't want to load, so fuck that site. Um, but that, I, I think that is a very interesting sounding cocktail. Um, if anybody wants to try and make that, report back on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Uh, let me know. Uh, let me know if it's worth it. Let me know if it's even worth bothering with. Uh, gives me an excuse to buy a bottle of Jameson. Tell my wife, eh, it's for the show. I got, I, got, I got to experiment. Come on. You know, try and use that excuse when, you know, she finds a dick in your hand and <sighs> just doesn't work like that. Um, let's see what else I got going on here. Ah. Uh, you know, let me uh, let me let me kill the kill the tavern music because I think I'm done with my uh, my Saint Paddy's Day uh, stories and such. I can't do an Irish accent really, so I'm not even going to try anymore. So, in stories that would not happen with craft beer, man shoots friend in Bud versus Bush beer row. This is from thedrinksbusiness.com. Man stands accused of shooting his friend with a shotgun after he brought him the wrong brand of beer. According to NOLA.com, Clarence Sturdevant, 64, shot his 66-year-old neighbor, Walter Merrick, eh, they were both practically dead anyway, in Harvey, New Orleans on Saturday, March 7th. According to a spokesman for the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, the shooting followed a row between the friends over which beer was better, Budweiser or Bush. <laughs> um, neither? Merrick told investigators he had left to get a beer for Sturdivant and returned with a can of Bush beer, prompting an angry Sturdivant to declare his preference for Budweiser. The row over which beer was better ended with Sturdivant shooting Merrick, who was treated for a wound on his elbow and small pellet puncture wounds to his arm and chest. Sturdivant admitted the men had argued over beer, but claimed it was Merrick who first pointed a gun at him, leading him to fire in self-defense. Authorities found a spent 20-gauge shotgun cartridge in Sturdivant's truck. This would make so much... Well, you know what? I would say this would make so much more sense if, you know, people were fighting over, you know, a better IPA. You know, Hetty Topper's better. No, no, um... Oh good God! Why am I why am I blanking on another hard to find? Pliny the Elder's better, but uh, given given craft beer drinkers, I I think they may be more apt to have a dance off than shoot each other. Um, let's see what else I got here. Uh, from Gannett, another trademark this yeah dispute this time from Bell's Brewing. So, um, typically in these trademark disputes. The knee-jerk reaction is when it's a big brewer against a small brewer. And I, I'm saying big craft brewer against a smaller craft brewer. If, if it's Budweiser, fuck them. Budweiser's probably in the wrong. But if it's a big craft brewer against a small craft brewer, knee-jerk reaction is to say, the big craft brewer is getting a little bit too big for their britches. And they've forgotten what it's like to be the small guy. Now, an example where the knee-jerk reaction may not have been quite right was the recent one with New Belgium and, see, I've already forgotten the name of the small craft brewer. Uh, I believe that they were based out of um, Austin, Texas. The uh, the whole slow ride, that, that whole name there. When more of the facts came out and more of the narrative seemed to get told from both sides, 
it seemed like New Belgium actually had a solid case. They were bargaining in good faith with the name and everything. This is a case, though, where it seems like the big brewer is completely off their fucking rocker. Uh, Innovation Brewing of Silva makes only about uh, 500 barrels of beer a year, mostly sold in Jackson County. But size doesn't matter in a tough trademark dispute with the much bigger Bell's Brewery of Kalamazoo, Michigan, which made more than 310,000 barrels last year. Bell's has filed a federal action against Innovation over the use of its name. Bell's says, yeah, it's not like they're trying to call themselves Bell something. No, Innovation. Okay. Follow this along. Bell's says it's unregistered <clears throat> advertising slogan bottling innovation since 1985 could lead to confusion with customers <laughs> while the slogan is used on bumper stickers it's not present on any of the breweries beer packaging okay again it's on bumper stickers but it's not on any of the packaging on the bottles none of it Bells also uses a slogan, Inspired Brewing, which has been part of the legal complaint that the company believes would be confused with Innovation's brewing, Innovation Brewing's name. Well, shit! The, the, the inspired Brewing? Oh, God! They, they use the word Innovation and they use the word Brewing! Oh, God! What the fuck? We're very disappointed, said Nicole Dexter, who founded Innovation in 2013 with her partner Chip Owen. The two came up with the innovation name after finding creative means of assembling their brewing system. Makes sense. Innovation is what we had to do to make everything work, Owen said. We had limited funds, and Owen assembled the system itself. Costly legal fees are preventing innovation from purchasing brewing equipment, Owen and Dexter said. We didn't see any confusion with Bells, Dexter said. We were pretty confident it could be worked out. But now the brewery has retained attorneys to defend itself. They say that Bell's bottling innovation since 1985 slogan is not protected by a registered trademark and has not been used in conjunction with the sale of beer. Bell's founder, Larry Bell, would not discuss the issue. He said, this is a federal case and we will let it play out in federal court. And note, this quote is very interesting after the whole um, bit with Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada. We are not going to play it out in social media or a newspaper. Well, <laughs> sorry, it's already kind of done that, and people are quickly turning against you. Um, going, going, uh, judging by multiple people on Reddit, and we know Redditors are fairly truthful when it comes to such things, apparently the owner of Bells is known to be a huge asshole, and that something like this is par for the course for him. Now, say the... Uh, Say the owner of Bell's, um, Larry or Bell's founder, Larry Bell. You know, if he wants to send me some beer, perhaps I may change my opinion of him being an asshole. But until then, I'm I'm gonna kind of side with uh, some of the redditors. And and from the thread on Reddit, um, several users, TC Josh says, I understand protecting your brand, but this is a huge stretch by Bell's. Uh, P Hughes says, especially since the first step in protecting your brand is filing for a trademark, not suing someone. Um, let's see. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in this thread here. Um, white pepper says, I've never worked for a company that didn't use innovation or innovative as a branding term. At this point, it's safe to discount any company that spends any effort to cling to the term innovative in any context as to actually uh, being innovative. 
It's 100% a buzzword with no meaning at this point. That and Again, it would be like... Such a, such a general term at this point. It would be like any kind of brewery trying to copyright or trademark the term IPA, India Pale Ale. It would be like trying to copyright, trademark the term brewing. It, it, it gets kind of ridiculous with that. Um... Uh, duh, duh, duh. let's see. There's there is actually a GoFundMe with um to help with innovations legal fees. So if anybody feels like supporting them with that, um, it's kind of a weird URL. But if you want to look up support innovation brewing, um, let's see. And they're they're based out of Holland, Michigan. So they're another another uh, Michigan brewery. They've raised about five thousand dollars out of forty thousand that they need in the past six days. Um, it's GoFundMe.com slash OHKPZ4. But you're probably better off going on uh, GoFundMe, look up Innovation Brewing if you would like to support the small guy. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Can you really sue based on any use of any uh, the use of any word that has ever popped up in a company publication? Um yeah, I'm usually quick to defend the party. The de- yeah, defend the party initiating action in these cases. But as others have noted, this one feels heavy-handed and legally questionable. Um, let's see. And somebody, somebody actually, um, <laughs> some somebody said that he wrote a letter to the desk of the president at Bell's. Of course, the next comment that got downvoted into oblivion after that was, yeah, that'll work. This was from McGravin, and I think this this kind of sums it up here. I've been a longtime fan of Bell's beers ever since I tried my first sip of Bell's Porter several years ago. I especially love the Expedition Stout. As a consumer, I understand the need to protect your brand. When Magic Hat filed suit against West, West Sixth for their logo design, I completely understood the basis since it was visually apparent to me the logos were highly similar. When Lagunitas went after Sierra Nevada over the Hop Hunter label design, I could see what they were trying to say, even though I didn't think they had a case, and Lagunitas wisely dropped the suit in a matter of days. However, I think your claim against innovation brewing is ridiculous and unfounded, and what's more, for a company as large and successful as yours to go after a small startup seems like bullying. Now, I know, eh, buzzword, bullying, Uh, when I hear the word innovation, I do not think of Bell's Brewery, and I even own one of those bumper stickers. I don't see any similarity between inspired and innovation beyond both words starting with an I and being vaguely synonyms. I have enough taste buds to appreciate a multitude of beers by different breweries, and craft breweries should be banding together to bring even more variety to the consumer in the face of stupid attacks from the macro brews like that insipid Super Bowl commercial. Big companies like yours should be helping the little guys just getting on their feet, not attacking them. Please drop your lawsuit or failing that, perhaps come out with a new bumper sticker, bottling frivolous litigiousness since 1985. Um, it, it This does seem to be turning a lot of people against bells. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, let's see. Apparently... Uh, let them know how you feel about it. The website has a place to contact the desk of the president. Here's their Twitter. They've made mention of this on their Twitter. Let's see what they said. 
about the trademark issue with Innovation Brew. We hear and appreciate everyone's comments. We're doing our best to continue working through this as amicably as possible and are hopeful we can find a mutual resolution. Out of respect for the legal part of this process that we're now in, we will decline commenting further. Again, people are people are still really turning against bells. People are boycotting bells. I mean, to be fair, it's easy for me to boycott bells because I don't get any bells. But um, you know what? Nowadays, nowadays it is very easy to boycott a brewery that um, that you're not agreeing with because um, there are so many other good beers out there. Um, Bells is fucking up in the court of public opinion on this one. Um, Mitch says the show is innovative. Ah, Bells is going to sue you, dude. Um, let's see. Anything else from this article? I don't think there were any good comments on the Citizen Times article here, but... Um, uh, stupid litigation like this only hurt bells in the eyes of their own consumers. Brian Webb out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Larry Bell may not want to comment through social media, but he better pay attention to what his consumers are saying in social media. And I think we are saying stop. It, it is a ridiculous claim. The magic hat one, you could see that. Lagunitas, it was kind of a stretch, but you could see where they're coming from. Um, New Belgium and again, that other brewery, you can, you can see and New Belgium, you know, basically tried to work with them on that. Again, you can, you can understand that this one bells is fighting over a word that has little to nothing to do with their brand, with the exception of a statement on a bumper sticker. There is no way in hell that I ever would have confused the two brands. You know what? Two brands I used to confuse back in the day, and they've never sued each other. Dogfish Head and Flying Dog. You know why? Dog. God forbid, you know, there be a big, big, you know, bigger than Dogfish Head craft brewer out there that uses dog in their name and then tries to knock down the other guys. I mean, God, there, there, have to be, there have to be a bunch of other breweries out there, or beers even, using the name Dog. Let me, th- let me just look up Dog on Beer Advocate. Um, let's see, we're getting a lot of Dogfish Head. We're getting Flying Dog. Um, and maybe I should log in so I can not be limited to the first 25 or less results. Um, oh, what do we have? Um, uh, Smutty Nose has Old Brown Dog Ale. Uh, we have Hair of the Dog Brewing Company. We have Thirsty Dog Brewing Company. Lagunitas has a New Dogtown Pale Ale. Um, Stouts has Fat Dog. <laughs> Shit, how did I forget this? You have Brew Dog. Um, let's see if there are any others that pop up here. Sea uh, Dog, forgot about Sea Dog. So, if all of those brewers and you know different names of beer involving dog, if all of them can coexist, you know, it, 
dog is a very general word. Innovation is a very general word. Bells, they're just making complete asses of themselves at this point, and social media is completely turned against them. Um, Mitch said his brewery is going to have the word dog in it, and by brewery, he means basement. Uh, but he is making a brand. Uh, Poodle Pilsner, Horn, Horn Dog Brewery. I I would I would actually be surprised if that's not out there already. I'm gonna search Google for Horn Dog Brewery. Well, there is a Horn Dog <laughs> barley wine style ale from Flying Dog. God damn it! Um, that's actually all that comes up. There's apparently a Black Dog Brewery, Multi Dog Brewery, Wild Dog Brewery, Snake Dog Brewery, Sleepy Dog Brewery. God damn it! Nobody thought about going with DAWG instead. Well, to be fair, I think there is. Um, I can't. Oh, I'm trying to remember if it's the name of the beer or if it's. It, it, it's a crafty. Well, okay. Let's see. We have Parkway Brewing has Puppy Dog Tales DAWG. Uh, Bluegrass has Sheltoe uh, uh, Java Dog Coffee Stout. But damn. Um, I want to say what is it? It's that. Um, Blue Dog, I think. I I, I want to say it's a Miller Coors. Nah, maybe not. Maybe it's maybe they don't spell it D A W G. Blue Dog. Uh, ah, fuck. I don't I don't remember which one it was. It, it it was fucking awful. It was it was one that I had had very early on. Okay, Shipyard has Sea Dog Blueberry. Um, one I saw very early in the uh, stages of my show. Fuck. Um, then, then you have the old school red dog. Ugh, yuck. Um, fuck. I, I know Marie tried it at one point too, but um, I, I think it's a Miller Coors owned one that's made to look crafty. It's like a blueberry ale that is just sickly sweet and not very good at all. Um, so yeah, Bell's is really fucking up in the court of public opinion and I I have yet to see one person really fully support them in this one I've seen some people say well you have to protect your trademark and even though this isn't trademarked you know they feel that they're protecting but they may not have a case and even that they're kind of wishy-washy in their support of Bell so I don't, I don't think anybody's really confident that Bell's knows what the fuck they're doing with this one but enough with bells. Enough with the bells. Uh, let's have something more fun here. Something that may help a lot of us. Or uh, at least me. Actually, I don't need this to help me, but I, I, I like to be liked. DiscoverMagazine.com study claims that drinking alcohol actually makes your face more attractive, i.e. reverse beer goggles. Is this possible? Um, let's see. Oh, damn. This is almost done. Um, let me see. Where does the article actually start? Okay, here, researchers asked sober participants to look at photos of people who have been drinking and rank their attractiveness. Turns out that drinking a moderate amount, equivalent to two small glasses of wine, made people more attractive, whereas doubling that amount made them less attractive. So there's a there's a sweet spot there, which uh, I 
ultimately probably always go past. Uh, the authors hypothesize that the increase in attractiveness after drinking could be related to, quote, an increase in red coloration, which is in turn known to be perceived as healthy and attractive. So, um, let's see. The aims of the study. Alcohol consumption is known to be associated with risky sexual behaviors. But this relationship may be complex and bidirectional. We explored whether alcohol consumption leads to the consumer being rated as more attractive than sober individuals. So the methods, heterosexual social alcohol consumers, why not the homos? Come on. Completed an attractiveness rating task in which they were presented with pairs of photographs depicting the same individual photographed while sober and after having consumed alcohol. Uh, either 0.4 or 0.8 grams per kilogram. What? It's a weird measurement. And required to decide which image was more attractive. Photographs of individuals who consumed a low dose of alcohol, equivalent to 250 milliliters of wine at 14% ABV, for a 70 kilogram individual, were rated as more attractive than photographs of sober individuals. This was not observed for photographs of individuals who had consumed a low dose of alcohol. So, um, wait, what? Oh, I think they meant high dose of alcohol there. There was actually an error in the typing there. Uh, in addition to perceiving others as more attractive, a mildly intoxicated alcohol consumer may also be perceived as more attractive by others. This, in turn, may play a role in the relationship between alcohol consumption and risky sexual behavior. So, there, there must be a period when I'm drinking that I am fucking hot as hell, and then I just drink more, and I go completely past it, and I, I go back to the regular old fucking mess that I normally am. Ah. So, let us open my third Guinness of the evening. Because I'm thirsty, and these aren't that bad for me. Ugh. Come on. Fucking hell. Ah. That beautiful Guinness pour. Oh, you wish you could see it because it's so beautiful. Oh, yes. Anybody else hard thinking about Guinness being poured? Just me? Okay, let that cascade. And while that cascades, I will move on to the next article that I have. Brewers Association asks eBay to stop facilitating sale of stolen brewers' property. Now, this is apparently a, uh, a big problem, though I did not realize that it was. Um, and it has to do with kegs uh, having gone missing from breweries and showing up on eBay. Now, I know, um, damn, this was months, if not at least over a year back, that somebody had been in like a Goodwill or a Salvation Army and saw a keg there. And they're like, oh shit, this would be awesome to like pick up and you know, make into a table or something. But they also noticed a brewery stamp on there. And people on Reddit saw it and said, uh, you may want to contact the brewery because that thing could be stolen. And you know, kegs are fucking expensive. Um, like, to give you an example, I know with um, well, at least like with the, for, you know, wine barrels, um, what was what was that stupid fake show I was watching. I think it was like on True TV or something. Um, 
Oh, it had to do with um, fuck. It wasn't wasn't undercover boss. It was it was one of those kind of stupid shows where they think you know if somebody's stealing from them or stuff's going missing from their shop, you know whatever, a coffee shop or something like that, and they they hire a guy to go in there and you know, pose as a new employee and kind of, you know, they put cameras in and shit like that. But anyway, they, they did an episode of Winery. And again, I, I completely realized the show was orchestrated and fake and shit. But at one point they had a problem with uh, missing wine barrels that, you know, they were saying, you know, these wine barrels, you know, you're looking at, you know, 750 to to $1,000 per barrel. So kegs, again, a very expensive thing, especially if, they have a barrel aging process where the, you know, they're, well, I'm, I'm talking barrels and kegs here. I will interchange them. That's fine. But, um, you know, the shit's expensive. Ugh. Let me dial that back. The shit's expensive. Some of it age process where you have a certain flavor profile built into the keg and everything like that. Um, and um, it's it, it's it's a money loss for these brewers that the things go missing. Um, God damn it! I, w- I was going somewhere with this. Oh, okay, I remember now. For instance, when I was at um, uh, Cricket Hill last summer, was that? Um, they were actually selling one of their old barrels. Um, not, nothing in it. Just basically, if you wanted a Cricket Hill barrel, and I think they were selling it for 115 bucks or something like that. So that that's a barrel that you're not even going to necessarily do anything with, except you know have it as a conversation piece. But anyway, Brewers Association talking to eBay, trying to get this practice to stop. The Brewers Association led an effort with MicroStar Logistics and the Beer Institute today, and this was back on March 6th, to request that eBay no longer allow the sale of used kegs without proof of sale. It's a fair point. Letter on combined letterhead to eBay's president, John J. Donahue, starts, On behalf of the members of the... We write to ask that eBay immediately stop facilitating the sale of stolen beer kegs by allowing unauthorized individuals to sell them using your service. Uh, the letter references uh, 27 CFR 25, which requires that beer kegs are to be permanently marked with the name of the owner. Uh, the letter goes into discussing the financial realities of keg loss to the companies that own them, the safety issues related to pressurized kegs, removal of keg valves and components and tampering. So okay, this is specifically with kegs, not barrels, but you run into the same problems with barrels in addition to the kegs, I mean, you know, Carton sends out, you know, kegs to the, you know, the, the growler fills that I go to. That keg from Carton goes missing, branded with Carton. Oh, man, it'd be awesome to have a Carton keg in my house. It's it, it fucking stolen if you find it somewhere. Um, letter includes an invitation to eBay. We'd ha- be happy to collaborate with eBay to check lawful ownership of kegs, prevent sales, stolen kegs, and restore kegs to their rightful owners so apparently this is becoming more of a problem and i i I think it may be just kind of a um a status thing where first of all people stealing them they realize they can make a quick buck off of them the people buying them because they know people are going to want to buy them 
it's memorabilia from a brewer. Um, you know, it might look cool in your home bar, you know, shit like that. Um, so apparently it is a, yeah, I know Dennis way to enunciate drunky. <laughs> is this your first time listening to the show, sir? Ah, um, you know, one more thing before the break. This is something I've discussed before, but uh, Draft Mag is kind of hopping on the, on the on the wagon here. I won't say bandwagon because it's it's not it's not a it's not a popular thing yet. But uh, Kate Burnot from Draft Mag talks about this. Let's ban hoppy and malty from beer descriptions. Um, to be honest, I, mean, I I I've been trying to stop describing beers as hoppy, and I particularly like to go more with hop forward sometimes when I can't specifically identify the hops flavors you know all beers are technically hoppy because they're made with hops so by their very nature you know some are more hop forward uh, all beers are malty by their very nature because they're made with malt some are more malt forward and it never really dawned on me not to use malty as a descriptor too so they're totally right when it comes to that it's fine as a general descriptor but if you really wanted to get into the flavors, it just doesn't work. Um, I, I would say it's like describing a burger as meaty. Well, of course it's meaty. Burgers are made of meat. Unless you're in the whole Boca thing. Is it accurate? Yeah. But is it really descriptive? Not quite. There are so many better ways to describe a burger. Um, is it juicy? Um is the let's see uh, I'm trying to go for the 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 flavorful is it smoky is it um does it have more of a grilled flavor does it have a not, just I don't know I'm not I'm not a burger aficionado I can't really say um uh, oh f- Fuck you, Shazam. I don't care if there's a brand new number one on Shazam. Stupid phone. So, um, go through this article a little bit, kind of sift through. Uh, Let's collectively agree to stop using hoppy and malty as beer descriptors. Those words tell drinkers nothing, and it's true. Um, Now, to be fair, we've come to accept hoppy to be almost a synonym for bitter when you think of a quote hoppy beer you're probably thinking of a beer with a higher ibu a more bitter beer however then again you also have high ibu stouts which are not particularly hop forward those are more malt forward beers so it can it can really get confused in there um and it's lazy to not reach for more precise flavor descriptors when writers and breweries who often use these words on packaging label a beer hoppy. That can mean anything from bitter, like I just said, to dank, to grassy, to floral, to citrusy. Yeah, I mean, um, like uh, when I'm trying to assess hops in a beer, I'm trying to figure out, is it piney? Is it citrusy? Bitterness comes from the taste, but you're not going to get a bitter aroma. Now you can say a beer smells hoppy, and you'll be right, but does it smell bitter? It's not. It's not the same thing going there. If that made any sort of sense. Um, different varieties of hops impart a huge range of flavors, just as malts do. Doesn't it make sense to tell readers that this quote malty beer 
offers aromas of toasted biscuit, bread crust, or honey. Then we can actually begin to imagine the taste of the beer we're about to enjoy. That's That helps me too. I love a biscuity beer. Um, and it's kind of funny because it never occurred to me to refer to that particular flavor profile as malty. I don't know why. She continues, this isn't about snobbery. We don't need to write tasting notes like we have poetry, MFAs, but it is about precision. Um, let's see, yesterday, uh, yesterday, when is yesterday? Oh, yesterday would have been at some point last week. A New York Times piece in praise of the American lager was an enjoyable read until I dug into the tasting notes in the panel's 10 recommended lagers. The author, Eric Asimov, one of uh, her favorite wine writers, enchants with his wine descriptions. A young nebulous, rippling acidity, the honeysuckle mint and chamomile notes of an exemplary vouvray. But he describes the lauded Great Lakes Dortmunder lager as pale amber, lightly bitter, with lively flavors of malt and hops. Flavors of malts and hops. It's the equivalent of writing that a wine tastes of grapes, or that bourbon displays fermented grain notes. Yeah. And you do the parallel there, it makes perfect sense. Um, You would not say a beer tastes of hops and malts. You would not say a wine tastes of grapes. It's all the same there. Um... This isn't to pick on Asimov or his panel. Now's the time for mainstream non-beer publications to write about beer with the same care, attention, and seriousness that they afford food, wine, and other beverages. There is a learning curve to it. There is obviously a learning curve. They Wine has been acceptable to you know do these big sweeping reviews of, but they're out of their element when it comes to the beer. That's all there is to it. Uh, but if beer is to earn the respect and the place at the table that it deserves, our collective vocabulary needs to lead that charge. Um, let's see if anybody else said... Uh, I actually left a comment on this one, but... Um, let's see, West Coast Beer Geek says... Um, it's okay to say hoppy and malty, but you need to go much, much further as a beer writer to describe unique flavors. Just like describing a beer smooth isn't describing a flavor, but rather a texture, and that's it. Um, and it, right now, like for instance, I am I am encountering that problem when um, tasting wine. I will I will give a descriptor as you know mild, but what does that really mean? Um, to me, mild may be complete. You know, mild may be completely different for someone else, and I am not at that point yet where I can really pick out the elements of a wine that I really like. If I taste a wine and I like it, I know I like it, but I don't know why I like it yet. And when I started with craft beer, I was very much at that point that I would enjoy a beer. I just didn't quite know why, and I'm getting closer to picking out so many more of so many more. I don't even know if that's proper English at this point. More elements of individual beers and being able to appreciate them and being able to describe them at the same time. I'm still not great at describing individual hops, but I'm trying to get there. Trying to get there. Um, I know, like, for example, Mitch is... He's begrudgingly enjoying the journey into IPAs. But I'm, I'm willing to bet that he cannot identify individual hop strains yet. Uh, he may be be able to identify something as a bit more citrusy or you know resiny, piney, um, 
you know, then, then another one, but is he going to be able to say, you know, okay, this is mosaic. Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, um, you know, um, uh, Goldings stuff like that. Uh, no, not yet. And I still can't do that myself. So it's all learning process. And I think a lot of these writers that are getting indoctrinated into the beer world, they're going to have to be a part of that learning process. So after the break, um, something's coming, uh, well, something's sort of coming back. Never really left, but there was a bit of an interlude where it may not have made its premiere. Let me just say that. Is that a cryptic enough tease? Uh, something from First We Feast. Are Americans drinking their beer too cold? Oh. And uh, some other random stuff. And of course, the uh, new releases and reveals for the week. So I will be back after these brief messages here on Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Alcohol by Cheers. Volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey! hey. Oh, it's the name of the show. Hey! More Like Radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. That shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find you're drunk in this fit. Are you on a pee? I am drunk. Or I wouldn't be talking to you. Antisocial Gamer Radio. Hi, this is Ashley, host of Antisocial Game Radio, telling you to come listen to my show every Tuesday at uh, 9pm UK time, 4pm Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Uh, every week I like to talk about all the latest stuff going on in the gaming world, what's been coming out, what's new releases, all the topics that you like to hear, I'll be talking about it every single week. Recently on the Conti and Kenny Show. Something froze up. Ah, you kidding and I'm watching, they also put on the thing that Honey Boo Boo's... Like the whole computer just froze up. Oh, really? Too much shit on here. Um, that's basically what she said. She's like, hey, Marquise, what's going on? I'll come back for round two. And the guy was like, uh, he basically was like, you need to be quiet, and then asked her for her ID, and her ID was in her car. So he told her she was banned from the mall for not having an ID. Like, really, dude? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, the Adobe plugin has crashed. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Everything just went right in the toilet. Holy shit. I gotta. That's the Flight 800 of Adobe players. <laughs> I gotta do the. Uh... <laughs> the Flight 800 of the Adobe players. The Conti and Kenny Show. Talking bollocks for fuck knows how many years. The Cousin Joe Show. And I, I'm sitting in the chair. He did the barber cock touch. What the fuck? This is what it is. Dude, where are you going to get your hair cut? Listen to me. Where are you going? See how I'm sitting right now? Yeah, I do. Where are my elbows? Outside the chair. Oh! <laughs> they always go around the side. And, and where the fucking... The height of my <laughs> elbow is always... They're dick. He's... Reaches in, and his, his cock touches my elbow. And the thing is, like, <laughs> I can't immediately jerk away because that looks like yeah, you know you touched it. Right, I'm acknowledging <laughs> a cock touch. So instead, I just leave it there and let him rub his dick on my elbow. <laughs> Dude, 
Did he go back and forth? That's when you could tell. Did he I was go back and forth ever, like, fast? Like, not not, like, fa- not fast. <laughs> it, I, I wonder if guys do play games or get the barber hard, kind of wiggle their elbow. Nobody does that, Joe. <laughs> Nobody does that. Well, weird faggots. Who knows? You're fucking weird. Insane. <laughs> Tune in to the Cousin Joe Show live Thursday night, 7 to 10 on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself, and it makes me giggle, that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. Oh, bro. kind of does I barely it. touched her. Come on. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's better than me. Come on. Oh. Come on, everybody loves me. Oh, I, got, I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go Home Depot. Come on. <laughs> Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you. They got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on. We're talking over here. <laughs> <laughs> So if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. We don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Now deep because the V is so deep. An interesting show. It won't ever put you to sleep. It has all the content that you want the best show on the planet. I ain't even gonna front. DC, bringing it again and again. Don't ever miss a show and make sure that you're always tuned in. Hosted by my man Mike and Ski Ray. Keep it turned up on the mic all day. Ask me what's my favorite podcast. I say DC. Listen to the show while you're sipping on your tea. It's the hottest of the high. You ain't gotta trust me. Tune into the show and you will definitely see. With Mike and Ski Ray, you can't go wrong. The biggest show ever, bigger than a King Kong. Listen up and don't ever, ever miss a beat. It's Deep V. Remember that the V is so deep. What's up, everybody? Deep V Podcast. Deep V. Be sure to listen to us Fridays at 8 Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Yep. Also download us on iTunes. Just type in DV. DV, your favorite podcast. Favorite, favorite podcast. You know, at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudiced to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Well, name check every country on the show. That way, no one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah. Birdie, birdie. (laughs) And to the Italians? Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. (laughs) To the Mexicans? Hey, man. Uh, Spain? (laughs) Uh, Singapore? <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Cockerel Doom Dog. No. You big loop, are you? <laughs> no, that sounds That's like Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. 
This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. I can't believe I then... I then imagined Sean, did my you write this? <laughs> I, I then imagined in my all. head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball, shooting all my pee into my hands. <laughs> I kept taking to the t- I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, <laughs> making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce Live Tuesdays from 10 to midnight, only on morelikeradio.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link, and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. The official Alcohol by Volume YouTube channel. Find out what's destroying my liver every week. Ah, my liver, my liver. New beer reviews every Saturday morning. And occasionally some bonus reviews in the middle of the week, too. Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash MLR Alcohol by Volume. Come on, let's go drink till we can't feel feelings anymore. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. MoreLikeRadio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Yeah, I'm about to bust some chops. It's the man that took my parking spot. So you the light guy, huh? Yeah. Now, does that mean you live in the high life lightly? Yeah, he just refers to this style of beer. Oh. Kind of like differently labeled brothers from the same mother. So you a metaphorical kind of guy, huh? One's a little more athletic than the other, though. Well, which one? You know, because you can run fast, but I can knock you over. Welcome back to Alcohol by Volume. If you would like to chime in with anything, you can Skype in, alcohol by volume, all one word, on Skype, or 862-345-7125, that's phone number 862-ALCOHOL. Yes, that was the, uh, that was the Miller, uh, Miller High Life guy, uh, what's his name, Wendell Middlebrooks. Dead at 36, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. I actually got this from uh, TMZ. The actor best known for playing the straight-talking Miller High Life delivery man died suddenly at his home. TMZ has learned this happened um, actually last last week, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Sources close to Middlebrooks told us he was found unconscious at home in the San Fernando Valley 
Monday morning, uh, Monday morning was transported by ambulance to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. We're told it does not appear there was any foul play. Apparently, he was a TV actor, too. He had roles on Cougar Town, Parks and Rec, Scrubs, It's Always Sunny, and the Bernie Mac Show. And he was a series regular on ABC's Body of Proof. Yes, the man was 36. Uh, he was a big guy, though. So, uh, you know, it's a sad thing. Kind of like, you know, kind of like Patrice. Patrice was a big guy. And that does tend to happen. So... Little little rejoinder there in honor of him. Uh, God damn it, Dennis. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I found this um, actually a few days ago, and I don't know if it's... Ooh, my level's a little hot? I don't know. Um, I don't know if this brand brand new, but from craftbeer.com, they have a new um, uh, beer styles guide, which is really fucking cool. Um, let me actually post the link here in the chat. And if you are not in the chat, you can get in the chat at morelikeradio.com slash live. And if you're curious about the link and you're not in the chat, craftbeer.com slash beer dash styles. You check that out and it has a whole listing of styles. You can find your style in a, um, a uh, form fill there's a pull down for style families. So let me see here. Um, what if I do logger? Not quite sure what the uh, beer style finder. What does that do? Off on. You know what? I get the feeling this is still very new because it looks like some of the stuff is not quite, quite, quite working 100% yet. But uh, let's see. Beer style styles guide. What's this styles guide? What's going on here? That may not be live yet either. So let me go back to beer styles. And, oh, of course, now that doesn't want to load either, does it? Okay, here we go. Um, just a long, long scroll of all different styles and visual repres yeah, representations of all of them. So let me just randomly go to one here. Um... I'm not going to do that. Um, let's go to the Scottish style ale. Click on that to learn more. And again, they, they have fantastic visual representations of everything. So if you want to kind of see the the coloration, uh, the kind of glass that you should drink it out of. Um, Scottish style ale is not loading for me. Son of a bitch. Why is this being difficult for me? It always has to be. It's been working totally fine every other time I've gone here, but today, it just does not want to help me out. Uh, that just that seems to be par for the course. Sabotaging my show. Thank you, craftbeer.com. God damn it. Uh, well, you know what? If you want to check it out another... Maybe I... Oh, maybe I have so many listeners that decide... No. <laughs> so many listeners that they crash the... Su no. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that, Kev. It does not work like that. Um, uh, God damn it. 
trust me, it's actually a really cool resource. It works really well on the phone too. Um, and it it can really help if all the different styles out there can get you a bit mixed up. It goes into the details of each style, like um, signature elements of the the taste of each style, um, examples of food pairings for the style, um, widely available examples of the style. I mean, they're not just going to, you know, for, if, if there's like a, um, I don't know, you know, like a Schwartz beer or something, they're not going to give you some example that may be fantastic, but is only available on draft on Thursdays at, you know, a pub in Austin, you know, something like that. They're, they're going to give you examples that are, if not nationwide, fairly widely available. You know, you're going to see stuff, you know, examples from Lagunitas. You're going to see examples from Sierra Nevada. You're going to see examples from Founders. Things like that. And God damn it, if I can't get that fucking site to load again. Oh, making me look badcraftbeer.com. Mm. Let me see if the American Black Ale will actually come up this time. No, it, it doesn't want to do shit. Sight just wants to make me look bad. If you if you could see me sitting here looking like an ass, that's why I don't have a video element to my show right now. Well, that in my face, but... Yeah. So, check that out uh, whenever it's working and you get a chance. Craftbeer.com slash beer dash styles. Very, very, very awesome resource. Um, I think it's going to help me out pretty well. Um, wait, what the fuck? Dennis, hey. <laughs> African-American ale, I'm sorry. God damn it. I know. I, it's hour two. That's when the racism comes in. That's when the racism comes in on every show, right? It's when you have enough beer in you. Um, ah, but this is uh, what I teased before the break. Very, very cryptically. Pelco Hall. I believe I reported on this at some point last year that it had initially been given approval. And if you're not familiar with what Pelcohol is, it is a powdered alcohol. It was given approval by the uh, Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. And then the Bureau immediately backtracked after they realized, could this be a bad idea? Either that or some fucking whiny cunt soccer mom decided to whine about it. But apparently, it has gotten federal approval this time. So, we are due to see release of this stuff uh, coming by the summer. Uh, this, epi- er, uh, this episode? This article? God damn it, Kev. Oof. My my brain is moving in 20 directions at once, and, of course, it can't just keep one particular track. From Complex.com. Um, hmm, this might be a black website, too. I'm not sure. Um, according to CVS Today, the Bureau and the makers of alcohol came to an agreement, have approved four flavors of the powdered cocktail. The packets are small enough to fit in your wallet. Uh, which isn't usually searched when you enter a club or a sporting event or other places that give out free water but overcharge for drinks. Uh, you can check out palcohall.com and see what they have to offer. Now, let's see what else I got. Um, 
I'm curious as to how long this will actually last. Um, to be fair, Mark Phillips, the creator of Pelcohol, said um, it really burns to snort it. So yeah, they, he's already thought about that. Some idiot maybe snorting it and dying from it. Um, it's really uncomfortable because it's alcohol, as you would if you sniffed liquid vodka. It would burn like crazy. There's nothing pleasant about it. Mind you, that still doesn't mean that some idiot won't try it. And no, not me, Dennis. I am an idiot, but I'm not that fucking stupid. Uh, according to Pelcohol's website, it is not for sale anywhere yet, and it won't be until at least summer of 2015. There's a mailing list to be notified when it will be for sale, and I did sign up on that mailing list. Um, they're not sending samples out before Pelcohol goes on sale which is a shame because I was actually going to try and contact them and say, I I do a rather somewhat popular sort of internet radio show and uh, could could I have a sample packet and I could review it on my show? Um, But yeah, they're not giving out any samples beforehand. Um, And prices haven't been set yet. So I'm very curious uh, if they're going to sell individual packs, if they're going to sell them in bunches. Um, but uh, the, let's see, got another article on it, too, from First We Feast. Um, thought it had to do with the flavors. There's there's Cosmopolitan, there's Powderita, <laughs> there's Lemon Drop, and I know there's a fourth flavor, and I, I think the, le- damn it. I think the lemon drop is not actually going to be in the first wave of releases, which is a shame because I would have actually been kind of interested in that. Um, this this powder though, it, it is pretty potent when you it, the, on the label, it says it's fifty five percent alcohol by weight, but ten percent alcohol by volume when added to water. So you get an idea there. Um, but from uh, first we feast. In their article entitled, Someone Stupid is Going to Snort Powdered Alcohol This Summer, obviously. Um, They had a kind of list of things that will go on with it, probably. Actually, it's not even a list. Why Why did you number things? There are two items on this. Two items do not make a list. Um... Someone is definitely going to upload a video of themselves snorting it. Yes, of course. Somebody's going to be fucking stupid. Uh, Palcohol's original website says something to the effect of, yes, you can get hammered instantly by putting it up your nose, but that doesn't mean you should. But the company quickly realized that wasn't a great marketing strategy and changed its its message and formula to discourage people from doing it. Uh, The website currently cautions that snorting will result in extreme pain and won't even get you that buzzed. Really? It takes approximately 60 minutes to snort the equivalent of one shot of vodka. Really? And uh, they said we love the specificity of that number because it means someone probably tested it out. Clearly, though, you can't stop stupid people from doing stupid shit by reasoning that it's an inefficient way to achieve their goal. We're looking forward to some ridiculous vine compilations once Palcohol goes on sale this summer. Again, um, I don't know about that. If one packet is 55% alcohol by weight, and then it becomes 10% ABV when it's diluted in the water. Uh, again, that that packet is more than half alcohol. 
I don't think that 60 minutes to snort the equivalent of one shot of vodka is accurate. I think that's covering their ass at that point. And the second thing on here, transporting booze is going to be a whole lot more convenient. Now, of course, I've seen people in articles complaining, oh, you people can't go anywhere without your alcohol. Oh, you're all a bunch of fucking alcoholics. Nah, you're ruining America. Mah. You know, all that kind of bullshit. Okay, think about this. Say you're, say you're going hiking. You're going hiking, you're going to camp out in a tent at the end of it. Um, y- you, like, you prefer to pack light, and at the end of the hike, you might like to relax, you know, sitting on a rock at the side of a you know, Russian river. Not Russian river, rushing river. If you're in Russia, by a river. Um, there's probably vodka in the river, so... Um, and you just want to relax, you know, maybe sit around a campfire, have a little cocktail, make s'mores, s'mores in a cocktail. It's a good combination. What the hell's wrong with that? You got your water, you're already going to need your water, and you got a packet of your alcohol. So you don't have to carry a fucking fifth or even a pint of vodka or whatever with you. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, the whole reason Phillips created it was so he could carry a drink with him while engaging in some of his favorite outdoor activities. Oh, here we go. Like hiking and camping. Isn't that what I just said? I, I, I didn't even know that was coming up in the article. But even the less rugged among us can recognize the benefits of hauling powder sachets over a bottle. Plus, making alcohol easier to transport means we use less fuel, which benefits the environment, and spend less money on shipping, which is good for businesses that buy or sell booze. Alcohol also claims there are possible medical applications. We've had medical personnel contact us about using alcohol as an antiseptic, especially in remote locations where weight and bulk make it difficult to transport supplies. So that is an interesting thought there. Um, they didn't answer the question, but it's an interesting thought nonetheless. Um Let's see. Alcohol stalls to run a legislative gauntlet before it can reach consumers. States can choose to outlaw powdered alcohol, and some are working to do so before the product even hits the shelves. Fucking spoil sports. Alaska, Delaware, Michigan, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Vermont have already banned powdered alcohol, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. And Minnesota, New Jersey, boo! New York and Ohio have considered it. According to Alcohol's Facebook page, Minnesota has decided not to ban it. Hey, Mitch, your state did something smart. Um, so this is a uh, this is happening. It's happening this summer. Um, oh shit. Okay, you know what? Um, Cosmopolitan Powderita, Lemon Drop, and then there is also just a straight up vodka and a rum. So. The Cosmo is obviously a cocktail. Let's see. Vodka with natural flavors, uh, sucralose, and artificially colored. Powderita, alcohol with natural flavors, sucralose, and certified colors. Wait. What's the difference between being artificially colored and certified colored? It's probably some kind of racist thing. So I will probably not get into that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the Cosmopolitan Powderita... Those are labeled as just add water for an instant cocktail. Whereas the uh, the other ones, the V and the R, which are vodka and rum, made from premium distilled vodka, distilled four times, made from premium Puerto Rican rum. So, 
when when this goes on sale, uh, provided it's not too cost prohibitive, I will gladly pick some up. Um, and shit, I mean, I'll try it out for the show. I'll try it out for the YouTube channel too, because I, you know, fuck, everybody's probably gonna be doing. Well, then again, everybody's gonna have stupid Vine videos about it. But um, I mean, shit, this is something I could bring to work allegedly. Fantastic. Put it in my water bottle. What? Oh, it's my water bottle. What are you talking about? I don't. I don't, I don't see. A, I don't see a vodka bottle around. <laughs> Where would I get vodka around? Here? What are you stupid? Those bottles are always in the office. Never leaves the office. What are you talking about? What? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I have problems. Problems with my job. Problems getting stuck in stupid email chains. Where I I question whether my uh, my input is actually valued or not. Um, and I, I reached a point a while back when I, I didn't give my input because I realized it was never taken into consideration. And today it was actually taken into consideration by my boss's boss. But I think that was only because there were dollar signs involved because I mentioned the potential of uh, equipment damage and having to uh, purchase new things and repair things and such and such and such. Uh, but that is that is neither here nor there. Um, another thing from First We Feast here, as I teased before the break, America is drinking its beer too cold. Now, I know there are some beers that I have had that benefit from sitting a bit. Now, when you store your beer... To keep it at its best, you do want to keep it cold for the most part. But there are certain beers that they they reach a different depth of flavor once you let them hit a certain temperature and not that completely chilled temperature. Um, God damn it. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think... Um, Fuck, I want to say it was something that uh, Jamie had tried. And if, if, if you're on the Facebooks, you know Jamie. Uh, where she found it to be better when it had sat approaching room temperature a bit more. Um, still wasn't her favorite kind of thing, but she liked it better. Fuck, and I cannot remember what it was. I, I want to... God damn, I want to say it was some kind of... Chocolate stout or chocolate porter, but uh, can't say for absolute certain. Damn. But regardless, there there are those beers that do benefit from that temperature change. And um, it's not always best to be drinking everything, you know, ultra chilled. So let's get into this article here from First We Feast. Nothing's better than a nice cold beer at the end of a hard day. Not if you actually want to taste it, argues Chicago Tribune beer writer Josh Noel, who spoke to beer consultant and educator Gary Valentine. Among other Chicago area restaurants, Valentine has worked on the beer list for Top Chef winner Stephanie Izzard's Girl and the Goat and Little Goat. And I liked I like I liked Stephanie on Top Chef. I thought she was awesome, and I was very glad she won. And she also won fan favorite that uh, that season too. Valentine spelled it out: If I'm drinking a high life, I want it to be cold because I don't want to taste it. Otherwise, if you have a beer you want to taste, it should be above at least 43 degrees. So craftbeer.com made an infographic for it, a kind of do and don't for beer serving temperature. 
do be open to serving some beers above 38 degrees Fahrenheit. Experiment, see what temperatures are best for your offerings. Don't assume that the higher the ABV, the warmer the serving temperature. I have made that mistake before where I have thought that the, the higher ABV beers may benefit more from the you know, close, not necessarily room temperature, but the closer to room temperature, not quite chilled, not quite warm, the more lukewarm kind of thing. And that, that's not always the case. Um, industry experts chimed in on that. Um, beer served at near frozen temperatures retains more CO2 gas, resulting in a more filling experience for the consumer and blinds the taste experience. Taste buds are numbed, resulting in a bland taste experience in comparison with beer served at recommended temperatures. Uh, more flavorful, yeah, more flavorful beers should be served even warmer to allow a full appreciation of their offerings. 45 degrees to 50 degrees are very common for many styles of beer. And then cold masks flavors. We want you to be able to taste our beer. That was from Justin Clark, vice president of Cigar City Brewing. So rules of temperature and flavor hold true for beer like they do for anything else. The colder something is, the more your palate chills and the stronger the flavors have to be for you to taste them. Uh, Think about ice cream. Ice cream tastes different when it's melted. Um, There is just... That temperature shift changes that flavor profile. So Noel's solution is ordering two beers at once when he goes to bars and restaurants. The first beer is always something best served cold, while the second beer is always something more complex that needs about 20 minutes of warming up to open up and show off its full range of flavor. See, this would be something very interesting. For all I know, it may actually be on there. Let me see if it'll load up again that uh, uncraftbeer.com, the, uh, the beer styles list. Uh, eh, it's probably some stupid fucking DNS thing here. Um, but it, if they don't already have that in the um, in their listing, it would be an interesting thing to have in their listing. You know, recommended serving temperature. And, and think about it, it probably wouldn't surprise me if they had it in there too. Um, uh, Cicerone Beer Education Founder Ray Daniels advocates putting beer in the microwave it's a, if that's an option. It's an interesting thought. He says 10 seconds takes that frosty edge off. I used to do it pretty regularly. My wife is going to look at me like an idiot if I try and put beer in the, fr- in the uh, microwave. So I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. Uh, why is temperature such an issue? <laughs> Daniel says it's all about the volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, which release both aroma and flavor as they warm up from that ice-cold temperature. All the beer ads tell us we want. Daniel's explained, uh, so much of our sense of taste is in the sense of smell. In order to stimulate the olfactory nerves, you have to have volatile compounds enter the nasal passage and into the throat. If beer is too cold, it'll release less aromatics. Um, think about this. Think about a bowl of soup. A cold, or, you know, for, for those of us that don't often make our own soup, say Campbell's, Progresso, you open the can, you smell it, you get something out of it. But once you've actually heated it up, even though it's a shitty soup, once it's heated up, you get, you get something different in the aromatics of it. 
you get more out of it. And that's the temperature difference right there. Um, oh, God, where the fuck did my mouse go? There it is. Uh, Daniels then suggested you try two identical beers at two different temperatures. And I, I, I did do that which, with, God damn it, whatever beer it was that Jamie was talking about. Shit. That is really bugging me that I cannot remember. If, if, if Jamie's listening, if she can pop into the chat or something and let me know what the hell I was talking about. Or even if she's listening on podcast, post it in the Facebook group. I don't remember. Part of me wants to say it was Shake Chocolate Porter, but I, I don't think that was it. Uh, maybe it was. I don't know. So you take two identical beers at two different temperatures, one straight from the fridge, one that spent 20 minutes warming on your room temperature counter. Drink them side by side, not one after the other, and you'll immediately see the difference. Trey Elder worked for three different Chicago coffee companies before going to work for Jerry's Restaurant and Bar, which is considered such radical moves as serving barrel-aged stouts at room temperature. I don't think that's necessarily so radical because, if I recall correctly, isn't Guinness served, I don't know if Ireland or the UK, is that not served non-chilled in bars? Um, Or at least closer to room temperature? I, I could be completely off with that. I could be citing some sort of urban legend that I know no facts about, but I, I know I've heard that before. Um, Elder told the Tribune that temperature rules hold true for coffee as well. Any extreme temperature, cold or hot, will mask flavor. At room temperature, you'll taste everything. When coffee is really hot, you won't be able to taste that much. Coffees that are really amazing, you'll taste what it's amazing as they cool. And I have found that to be true as well. When When you're tasting a really hot coffee... All you're really getting is the hotness of it. You're not you're not getting the flavor of it. You know, I drink Starbucks. Fuck you. Starbucks has a, there's a different taste as it cools. Um, and I I once once it is cooled down a bit to the point. Jesus Christ! Hearing slamming on my wall. Um. W- once it cools down to a warmish stage you get that nice, perfect flavor level. So coffee works with that too. Um, Just don't let it get too cold. Beer storage temperature, however, is different than beer serving temperature, like I mentioned. Uh, Craftbeer.com has another handy temperature cheat sheet for retailers that cautions that beers, craft or otherwise, should still be refrigerated to preserve their flavors and avoid oxidation. Do refrigerate when storing all bottled and kegged beers to man, uh, maintain beer freshness. Flavors and aromatics don't uh, forget to cool beer, not only when serving, but when storing. So industry experts, we got another one from Justin Clark of Cigar City. He says, we do not pasteurize any of our products. Storing our beer cold will help ensure that the beer lover enjoys our beers as we intended. Then we got Fred Krause from Oak Creek Brewing Company out of uh, Sedonia, Arizona. Uh, the other major effect of high temperature on any beer is oxidization. Oxidation. In the chemical sense, it's naturally occurring compounds reacting with trace amounts of oxygen in the beer to form other oxidized compounds that we can taste. If you've ever smelled or tasted cardboard, wet paper, sherry, almond, honey, or a metallic flavor in your beer, there's a good chance this is from oxidation. Last one here, Joe Kachever, uh, founder and brewmaster of Pearl Street Brewery in La Crosse, Wisconsin. 
He says storing beer warm for extended periods of time will shorten the beer's shelf life, like I mentioned before. This is especially true of non-pasteurized and full-flavored beers, which most craft beers are. So there is that delicate balance. When you store it, you want it refrigerated. But when you're serving it, you may want to let it warm up just a little bit. Um, I think that that is it with that one. No, uh, no comments on that article. No uh, chiming in. Um, uh, yeah, Mitch. Mitch says he does think it's warmer there. So, I, I and I, I hate the fact that I, I can't remember if it's Ireland or the UK. Um, you know what? Kevin's gonna do a Google search. Uh, warm Guinness. Oh, is it a myth? Warm Guinness myth? What? Google, are you are you twelve most common beer myths exploded? Um, interesting. Okay, this is from two thousand eight, but this is Guinness on tap. It's Guinness trivia. Um, myth: Guinness is supposed to be served warm. False. Guinness reports that his draft is best served at 42.8 degrees. Your average fridge is about 38, just a tad too cool. Unfortunately, most beer coolers and bars are even colder. Regardless, 43 degrees is neither warm nor room temperature. Order them ahead of time and let them warm up a minute while you finish your first pint problem solved. Okay. Guinness is a case where you don't want to serve it too chilled. You want to let it warm a little bit, but you know what? If you're doing a proper pour, first of all, you're letting it sit for a couple minutes at that point while it cascades, and then you finish the pour. Um, will a couple minutes make that much of a difference? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but then, uh, you know, holding the pint in your hand, uh, you get the warmth from your hand transferring into the into the beer, you know. Again, depending on what you're drinking it out of. I mean, I'm drinking it out of an actual Guinness pint right now. Um, and still relatively chilled. Um, maybe if I let it sit a little bit more, it'd be even better. But I guess um, Guinness themselves says it's not supposed to be served warm. Um, now, let me see. Let me just do a let's see, warm, warm Guinness abortion. What? Google, what are you... Can hot Guinness cause a miscarriage? What the fuck? This is from experts123.com. The question is, can hot Guinness cause a miscarriage? What the fuck? What the fuck am I looking at? This is on pregnancy or answers.com. There's one on Google Answers and why is that? Yes, it does not have to be hot, it can be cold. You're supposed to add additional salt into the Guinness and drink it immediately afterwards. Keep adding a pinch of salt for every force and oh, fuck you. Fucking pop up. Even Adware won't block it. Uh, add a pinch of salt for every four sips. Be careful; it will froth up if you don't do not drink it right away. You should drink two in one day and at least four for the week, seven days. This should be two to three weeks before your period. This is the only way it works. Are you fucking shitting me? 
I've in all the Guinness facts that I have read, I have never seen anything about Guinness causing a miscarriage. And the the uh, the font of knowledge, Yahoo Answers. Uh, heard a crazy rumor that when mixed with three tablespoons of salt, Guinness can cause miscarriage or abortion. Anybody heard about this before or know if it's true? Um, what the fuck? Okay, best answer was, I highly doubt it. Um, I find that hard to believe given that consumption of Guinness in sufficient quantity can lead to pregnancy. Uh, never heard of this, but I do know a lot of people who like salt in their beer. Yes, a goza. And I'm, I'm actually curious now about adding salt to Guinness. And, well, shit. Shit. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what I'm going to do? Fuck. I totally forgot. I got brew salt here. Brew salt is going in the Guinness. Whoa, that was a lot of fucking brew salt. Oh, that was a lot of fucking bacon brew salt. And now I gotta stir it up, and I don't have anything to properly stir it in there with, so I will use a sharpie, hearkening back to the uh, good old days of lust and love. Let that dissolve in there a little bit. Suck off the sharpie because I know Dennis would enjoy that. Mmm, bacony. Oh, this is gonna be a very bad idea, but I don't care at this point. I'm gonna drink it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, Mitch says it may be the UK because they like everything lukewarm and flavorless. Uh, weird, the bottle says enjoy from the freezer or something like that. Wait, let me see if the can says anything similar. Uh, brewed in Dublin, pasteurized out. Guinness, um, harp, nah, can, can don't say shit. So, I don't know. Uh, Roy Black on Crack says 6 to 7 degrees centigrade, which is 42.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Nice. Um, and now Mitch is talking more like Jew salt. Uh, well, <laughs> this one ain't Jew salt. It's got bacon. Mm. Oh, wait, those are the fucking Muslims that can have bacon. Right? Mixing my religions. And you know what? Um... <laughs> I will I will give total props to the brew salt people here because um bacon brew salt goes really really fucking well in Guinness. God damn. Mm. I'm going to have to do that more often. Uh, cuz I still got a lot of my brew salts. The only other one, other one I would have potentially put in there was chocolate, but eh, I didn't think that would really accent it well. My habanero, that's... Oh God, I should have put some of the habanero in my habanero sculpin when I had that. Should have thought of that. Uh, you know what? With that, let me uh, let me move on to the uh, releases and reveals for the week. Uh, first one I got here is Avery Raspberry Sour. Now, I do get Avery Brewing out here, and I'm happy to see that they are doing a sour. It's part of a new Barrels and Botanical series. It is a sour ale with ripe raspberries. 22-ounce uh, bottle, 7.2% ABV. It looks like they're being bottled now, but Avery hasn't officially announced the release as yet. Uh, the next one I got here. From Boulevard Brewing, we have... Uh, <coughs> oh, okay, that's better. 
Uh, we have a ginger lemon rattler. I am starting to more enjoy uh, elements of ginger in my beers. I don't like ginger beer itself, but if you add ginger into a beer, I'm more happy with that. So this was previously a Tasting Room series release. It returns as part of Boulevard's canned lineup. Uses lemon juice, lemon extract, and freshly juiced ginger. Didn't really dawn on me that you could juice ginger, but I guess you can. Uh, it's going to be in 12-ounce bottles, 4.05% ABV. I like how specific they get with that. And arrival is to be determined, but as a Rattler, I would assume probably looking at late April into May, something like that, because the summer beers always come out a little bit earlier, a little bit advanced. Um, Boulevard might even push it in... Eh, yeah, I don't think they're going to push it into June, so I'd say May, definitely. Um, then we got, uh, not necessarily a new release, but a new method of release. Uh, Terrapin Maggie's Peach Farmhouse Ale. Um... And, damn it, I thought I had, I thought I had an image of this one. And I don't know where it went. Oh, there it is. Oh, good God. Sounds like my son is being a fucking terror out there. And I have a feeling I'm going to get yelled at after the show. Uh, Maggie's Peach Farmhouse Ale from Terrapin. It is coming to cans this spring. That's why I'm talking about it. Uh, it initially debuted as a Terrapin side project back in 2009. It has a light peach flavor with a farmhouse funk. It's still going to be available in 12-ounce bottles, 5.3% uh, ABV. It's not my favorite peach beer. I think that's still a toss-up between Dogfish Head's Festina Pesh and RJ Rocker's Son of a Peach. But that said, it's still a pretty tasty one. If you like peach in your beer, you will probably enjoy this one especially given that it has that added farmhouse twist to it. So, pretty good with that one. Uh, let's see. Next one we got here. From Victory Brewing, we have Deep Cocoa. Uh, it's an 8.5% ABV porter brewed with cocoa nibs, available on draft and in 750, yeah, 750 milliliter bottles. I find that I've been enjoying chocolate more in my porters rather than my stouts lately. So I'm feeling I will keep an eye out for this. I see a lot of the stuff from Victory out here. I mean, I've seen all the moving parts IPAs. I get all, pretty much everything from Victory seems to pop up out here. So when I see it, I think I'll pick it up. Um, especially since their larger bottles are insanely affordable out here when compared to other stuff. Um, usually no more than five or six bucks. I think when I got the moving parts uh, batch number three IPA, uh, that was like four ninety nine. You can't beat that. It's actually it, it's a very good IPA. Uh, no complaints. You know, or good IPA series where you know a comparable one from Stone from Rogue something like that. You are very likely to pay eight, nine, ten dollars. So, uh, might just be my location. I don't know, but I always find them very, very cheap. Makes me very, very happy. And then the last bit here, um, Sam Adams. They have announced their 2015 Longshot Homebrew Contest. Now there is there is a release to this, 
So I will get into that shortly. Uh, it's an East versus West format this time around. One homebrew will be chosen from each side of the Mississippi with winners announced at the 2015 Great American Beer Festival in Denver with the entries from two winning homebrewers as well as one Sam Adams employee winner available in the Sam Adams Long Shot Variety 6-pack in 2016. Um, so let's see. What do we have in the Long Shot 2015 pack coming up this spring? We have, uh, let's see, Greg Rasmussen out of uh, Forestville, California. We have his Raspy's Robust Porter, a traditional robust porter full of complex malt flavors. Variety of malts in the beer contribute flavors of cocoa, coffee, toffee, and slight vanilla to create a wonderful roasted yet balanced beer. The gorgeous mahogany porter has a roasty and chocolate aroma. The beer is complemented by slight citrus and earthy notes from the U.S. and U.K. hops. And you know what? The brew salt seems to dissolve a lot better in the Guinness than I've had it dissolve in some other beers. I'm actually really impressed with that. Uh, Matthew Knotts. Uh, oh, Smokehouse Rock Beer. He is out of Smithtown, New York. Deep copper-colored rock beer has all the flavors you would expect in this traditional style. Smoky, slightly savory with a malty sweetness and roastiness. The smoky flavors are balanced by a light toffee malt character and slight citrus from the hops. Uh, the brew finishes with a lingering smokiness, sweetness, and subtle hop character. And then the last one from John Mara out of Brooklyn, New York, and he is the Sam Adams employee. Dark Night in Brooklyn. It's a Dunkelweiss. Uh, the beer is brewed with a traditional Bavarian yeast that contributes to the variety of aromas and flavors. Uh, let's see. The aroma is characterized with notes of tropical fruits and clove. Sounds good. Um, I, I've I've started to like that uh, that clove flavor in my beers now. I don't know why. The malted wheat contributes a bright, clean cereal note, which complements the spicy flavors of clove, nutmeg, banana, and a slight sweetness. So, if you're a home brewer and you want to enter the contest, check out Sam, uh, samueladams.com slash longshot. I guess with that music, that that, that, that means we're, we're nearing the end here. Right? Um... Check out the Facebook group. I, I do post things there occasionally. Um, you know, the YouTube reviews. Um, articles that I find that it may not necessarily be meaty enough to cover on the show, but stuff that I think you guys will find interesting. Facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume. Um, the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. I know it's kind of just a landing page for, for the YouTube videos as well. Um one of these days I'm going to figure out something to do with that. Uh, I'm, 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 I need to hire a social media manager. If I was big enough, I would hire a social media manager to just really get everything popping. Because I fucking suck at that stuff. But, eh, be that as it may. Uh, Twitter, at E-D-I-C-I-U-S, Odysseus, uh, at ABV underscore podcast. You can look me up on untapped Alcohol by volume, all one word. I will friend just about anybody on there, and I love it when the breweries friend me on there. Um, and I love just getting random friend requests because I am assuming they're either listeners or p- 
people that are local to me. Either way, I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I love seeing what everybody else is drinking. I love you know, toasting to your drinks. Um, you know, stuff stuff to keep an eye out for and stuff like that. I also found out that um, Weyerbacher Sunday, Sunday Morning Stout has hit my area, and I am extremely happy about that, so I'm picking some of that up this weekend. Um, so that's the show. Coming up next is a replay of My Time Now with J5, because in his own words, he gonna be getting Mega Man drunk. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and after that, it is, uh, well, it's Dutch and Royce. So, um, whoa, what happened to the music? I don't know what happened to the music, dude. I can't leave without music. Now I'm really confused. Um, oh, well, I guess I'll hit this. And then uh, I shall be out. So uh, my time now, replay with J5, followed by Dutch and Royce. Uh, I will see you guys next week.